0: You know, Charlie, one of my favorite of those uh, most interesting man-in-the-world commercials goes, unless we're going to have the whole conversation in Spanish, perhaps it is best not to start with hola, but hola, Charles, how are you doing? I haven't seen that one. Is that the
1: Dos Equis commercials? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I didn't see that one. Maybe I
0: don't watch enough TV. You obviously don't watch enough uh, beer commercials. Which it seems like you would see more beer commercials than me because you uh, watch sports.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking. I can't believe I haven't seen that one. I, I, I'm i pretty sure I've seen every alcohol commercial and every truck commercial in the last 10 years because of yeah. baseball and, and football. But who knows.
0: Well, that was sort of an in-mediate race uh, introduction, but welcome to Mad Dogs and Englishmen. And a couple of things before we get on to the political news of the day. One is that I've come to conclude that, um, Charles, I know you don't believe in God, but I think he believes in you, and he's a little pissed off.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so we were supposed to record this podcast an hour ago, but we, not Kevin. The heavens opened, apparently. Yeah, we, the Cook family, and the residents of the greater Jacksonville area, were on the business end of... A mighty storm. Uh, it all began when, well, it all began when the rain started falling, but it all began when every device in our house, the computers and phones and iPads, started making this horrendous
0: screeching tone. And the devices that had been twice fried in the last couple of weeks by lightning strikes in <laughs> the cook household, we might add.
1: Yeah. And the screen read tornado warning. So that was enough for me. I went to my (laughs) office. I unplugged the modem. I unplugged my studio. I unplugged the switches. I unplugged my computer... And I walked right into the middle of the house, away from the walls. It says on the tornado warning, go to the basement, but that's not an option in Florida because we don't have basements. Right, in Florida
0: basements are wells. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or perhaps uh, not very good swimming pools.
1: So I wasn't going to risk it, but I did send you, Kevin, the images of the number of lightning strikes in the area. And I think I sent you an image of the number of lightning strikes on my street around my house, which was three.
0: <laughs> yes. So I'm glad I unplugged. That it. was quite amusing. Yeah. So everybody okay then?
1: Everyone's fine. In fact, the kids absolutely loved it because it's exciting. There's loud noises, the house shakes, it's flashes. They said, best day ever, my four-year-old said, which wasn't quite how
0: I thought about it. <laughs> nice. So being from West Texas, tornadoes are just, you know, well, it's Wednesday, right? There's a tornado. Yeah. Um, it's a little different for us maybe, but, um, the weather's not quite as wet there. So maybe not as much lightning and such. Um, we didn't have a cellar in my houses out there with that sort of thing, but I've seen bunches of tornadoes, um, including a few up pretty close and they, um, they're kind of scary. They are terrifying. Um, Well, sort of one of the good things about tornadoes is like you can get close-ish to one without it really being too dangerous. Um, If you're out in a very open, you know, place like West Texas and you're able to, you know, drive in the opposite direction if it it starts coming your way. Although, you know, these are famously not predictable things. In the early 1970s, might have been 1970. I forget the year. Man, the brain goes, it goes. Yeah, my hometown of Lubbock was pretty much flattened by a group of tornadoes that that went through, which is why there are very few buildings downtown that are older than the uh, 1970s. But, yeah, I, I think tornadoes are a different kind of ball game in coastal areas, though. They're weirder for some reason. I think it's the wetness of the weather makes it um, a stranger phenomenon.
1: We're just outside Touchwood. Of the mm. part of Florida that routinely gets hit by hurricanes, it has happened up here, but yeah. usually it does not. And we're about to enter hurricane season. Tornadoes are a different beast, though, because with hurricanes, at least now, you get warning—you get five days warning. They track it off the coast; it comes in bit by bit, and then they—hurricane, you mean? Is that what did I say? Tornadoes. You said tornadoes, yeah. Yeah, with hurricanes, you yeah, can hurricanes see a warning. And, you know, it's a five day process and you hope it's going to turn. And then maybe by day two, you start making plans, seeing if there are any hotels available, uh, you know, outside of its its path. But with tornadoes, not that we've actually ever had one hit us, thankfully, but with tornadoes, it's five minutes before the thing is about to hit you. You get an oh.
0: alert on your phone. The uh, out of the sky like uh, judgment. Yeah, I like the uh, fact that. I was living in New York when, when Sandy hit, and when I saw the words uh, "superstorm," and I thought I live, I don't know, a thousand yards from the water, something like that in New York. I lived downtown, so I was pretty close to the uh, to the water line. I thought this would be a good time to not be in New York, and I was in California uh, for all of that mess, and I didn't come home till the, uh, till the water receded, which turned out to be 10 days or something.
1: Well, I was in it, but we got out after three days. We lost power. Where'd you go? Well, my wife's family lived close by, and they weren't using oh, the house. Right, yeah. And it took a couple of days to realize how bad it was and organize getting out of the city. Because I think You lived in Midtown, right, at that point? Yeah, we, we lived very near NR's old office, near Murray Hill. Mm-hmm. But we were on the 15th floor of a World War I-era building, and the power went out. And frustratingly enough, the power was was on across the street. We were the exact demarcation line between having <laughs> power and no power. And we lost water as well. And uh, we had to walk down these World War I era in the dark stairs with a flashlight every time we mm-hmm. wanted to leave the building. And we thought maybe it'll be a couple of days. Then it became clear it wasn't going to be a couple of days. And so we left.
0: Yeah, I lived on the 20-something... Uh, floor of a of a new building at that point, and I don't imagine I would enjoy taking the uh, stairs up and down all that much. Well, the people up on the seventy sixth floor, um, I assume, had you know private jet money, and, and were not there for it.
1: My overwhelming memory of the day, I think, evening the storm hit, was looking out of the window and seeing in the distance an explosion of blue light the transformers yeah yeah transformer went i don't know exactly where it was but i can just remember thinking what on earth is that it looked like what you would imagine a (laughs) nuclear bomb would look like although of course i knew it wasn't one you hoped (laughs) well i'm here telling a story so after three or four seconds (laughs) i knew it wasn't
0: yeah at the time though when the light went off you never know new york things happen True but, story. um, Yeah. All right. Literally talking about the weather, but I think maybe that's a halfway decently interesting uh, weather conversation. Before we do move on, you are moving uh, a bunch of vinyl recordings to some kind of weird uh, high accuracy digital format. Is that the right?
1: problem is, if we start doing this, Kevin, I'm going to take 25 minutes just
0: rambling on and on and on about it. Well, oh, just lose real all quick. Problems. I mean, uh, so how does it work? And don't you just have a record player? Can you just play your records?
1: Well, I I can do that, yes, but I play music in all sorts of different places, including in my car, and uh, I Mm. don't have a record player. You don't have a
0: record player in your car?
1: I don't. I don't. What I realized is that I have both a lot of high-end audio equipment and a server in my house, and all our movies are on the server. Mm -hmm. We don't have a DVD player. Waiting to get fried. (laughs) <laughs> yeah well it's backed up to the cloud so if that <laughs> did happen i wouldn't lose everything anyway but i realized i have all of this space like this extraordinary uh sort of multi-disc array uh with terabytes and terabytes of, of free space on it and yet my audio files just aren't that good and there's no reason for that i mean the 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 way we listen to music these days is actually really for convenience, not for quality. And, and I understand that. In the old days, as it were, you would go to a store and you would hand over your money and they would give you this big disc. And there was a lot of information on that disc, but it was heavy. And then we moved to CDs, same thing, not heavy, but a lot of information on this disc. And then we decided that we wanted to send you know, vinyl records and cds in effect through a series of tubes and the bandwidth of those tubes is pretty narrow at least in aggregate and so we cut out much of the information i mean back in 2002 it was horrendous we went to 128 kilobits per second for audio horrible Uh, now maybe you're looking at 320 with with spotify but it's still horrible Uh, and so without going into the whole vinyl question, which is its own thing, I realized, well, look, I have really good recordings of things on CDs, on super audio CDs and on vinyls. And, you know, a lot of these formats, they've retained a huge amount of the information that came off of the master tape that's just being lost. Why am I sitting in my office working all day listening on good audio equipment to bad uh, quality Uh, manifestations of of records that i love so i've started the process of moving my super audio cds and and my cds uh, and my my vinyl records onto this server in lossless format it's slightly overkill i'm doing it in 24 bit 96 kilohertz um so you know an an album ends up being (laughs) like a gigabyte (laughs) of uh, of data, but it just, it hadn't occurred to me before. I have the studio equipment in my office to do it, and I have the audio equipment to play it back. And I've just been astonished. I mean, I'm I'm sitting in my office listening to this and thinking, oh, wow, listen to what was put onto Dark Side of the Moon or OK Computer, Um, you know, the former on vinyl, the latter on Super Audio CD. There's just this incredible... Backward step that we've taken. It's a little bit like, you know, we had Concorde, and then we didn't. Um, and I know that right. they're working on supersonic planes, but we now live in a world where we don't have Concord. That's a backward step. This is about to change thanks to the Artemis program, but we live in a world in which we couldn't go to the moon anymore when we once could, and we live in a world for for totally practical reasons. It's a good thing in many ways, where we've decided to send audio across the internet. That's the most efficient way of doing it. And we've ripped out all of this wonderful information that was put in on these these great records. And I'm just having an enormously fun time listening to them and remembering... (laughs) Uh, What (laughs) What they sound like. What they sound like and what music's supposed to sound like. Absolutely.
0: You know, sometimes people um, accuse National Review, uh, founded by William F. Buckley, who kept a harpsichord on his yacht, of being elitist. And you are complaining about lack of Concord service.
1: I never went on Concord I just man but of the, I would like man to of the have. people
0: Charles CW cook but you know
1: I would love yeah. to have flown on Concorde I, I actually am sad and even if they have a new supersonic system in the future uh it won't be the same there was something about Concorde that I grew up admiring and and uh, really hoping
0: to to see yeah there's some weird thing about the Concorde um I may misremember some of the details here so forgive me if I do But they basically had to keep it operating at all times to make it even sort of, you know, halfway uh, sustainable. And so a thing that they would do is that um, airports at various places, particularly in the United States, that had long enough runways to accommodate it, would sometimes just get like this one weird occasional Concorde flight. Remember when I was young, they were doing Concord flight from from Lubbock, Texas to London sometime around Christmas, and um, I just thought that was hilarious. Now that's interesting. Like to go back and find out who was on that plane
1: because they would have had to get special dispensation to take off because the sonic boom. Well, I suppose either either they had to get special dispensation or they flew at subsonic speeds to the coast and then until they hit the ocean, yeah. Yeah, because that's apparently the big problem with it going forward. And, and I was thinking, when I was a kid, Concord occasionally used to go over my uncle's house because he lived quite close to the airport, Heathrow. And people would point it out. I mean, it wasn't just my dad, who's an aviation geek, who was in the Air Force. People would point point, say, oh, wow, that, that's Concorde. And my dad said that in 1969, when the Boeing 747 was first introduced, that's how people used to treat the 747 as well. They would look up and say, look at that huge plane. But then there were, you know, 500 Boeing 747s. It was the plane everyone took. And so they stopped. But with Concorde, I think there are only about 12 of them ever. And so it retained this yeah. mystique. And I wonder if in the future, if we end up with... 150 supersonic jets. If every airline has one, you know, if it's an option on the page at United Airlines, I wonder if it will be as exciting anymore.
0: It won't be. It'll just be another thing. We'll be waiting for teleportation. Um, somewhere, I'm, I'm sure already has written this, um, but if not, I'll, I'll maybe address it in my next newsletter. The difference in the American habits and the British habits of using definite articles. So, you know, you are at university or in the hospital and you don't say Le Concorde, you just say Concorde.
1: That's right. And do you know that the E on the end was because it was a joint British-French project and the British and French, British Airways and Air France specifically, and the governments that had subsidized the project sat down over the table and said, we would like to name this thing Concorde. And the French said with an E. And the British said, well, we were thinking without an E and the French just said, no. <laughs> and the British, British being the British not. said, well, could we talk about it? And the French said, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so the British That's said, well, funny. could we call it Concord when it's in England and France, uh, Concord with an E when it's in France, um, which, by the way, is they do this in various ways with the channel tunnel. They have different names on each side of the, uh, the channel. Um, and the French said, no. And the, the British said, oh, well, I suppose we've asked. Thank you so much for your time. We'll do an E then, I guess. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's funny. You know, in um, in the film Beckett, when Thomas Beckett pleads to France, and he's, I think it's in Beckett, and he's talking with the the French king, and the French king refers to what you have the temerity to call your English channel.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, for a long time, we had the temerity to claim France for ourselves, even long after it had been.
0: Yeah, there were bits of it anyway. Yeah. Uh, should we talk about some politics? Let's do that. Uh, so, Donald Trump is a lunatic. Still a lunatic. Still a lunatic. So, he is out on, he uh, is soon to be bankrupt, I'm pretty sure. Blog, uh, social media company for which he's not paying the bills. Uh, Truth Social, which, of course, is a hilarious name, um, demanding and, and I think, predicting that he's about to be reinstated as president. So he's now posting straight up QAnon content, apparently, and, and things of that nature. Now, I am not in the least bit surprised by any of this stuff. And, um, you know, something I've been kind of working on, I'm not sure if this is part of something I already put up or not. Anyway, I'll come back to it in a second. But, you know, Republicans have this insane thing of treating Donald Trump as though he were either the second coming of George Washington or, at worst, kind of the wacky sitcom neighbor of American politics. And when he starts doing stuff like that, people, you know, why do you take him so seriously? He's just, you know, he's just being Trump. Because he tried to stage a coup d'etat when he lost the election and have himself unconstitutionally installed as president, thereby effectively overthrowing the government of the United States.
1: You and I, I think, agree on this. I mentioned this in a piece that I've just filed. I think will be up tomorrow. Mm. January 6th is, in a sense, a distraction. It was horrible. But January 6th is a distraction. January 6th is not the main problem with Trump's conduct. That was the least
0: important part of the coup attempt. Right.
1: It's true that January 6th was never going to lead to the overthrow of the U.S. government. We don't have a system in which if you occupy Congress long enough, they say, fine, here are the keys. I mean, there are many parts of it that are very serious. For example, the threats on Mike Pence. But January Mm. 6th could never have happened. There could have been no Trump speech, there could have been no rioters, there could have been no one in D.C. there sympathizing with the stop-the-steal nonsense. And Congress should still have impeached Donald Trump because Donald Trump tried to rewrite the Twelfth Amendment to give Mike Pence dictatorial powers to overthrow the election and thereby to take away from Congress powers that it has under the U.S. Constitution and has exercised for its entire history. Yep, And he's still doing it. I mean, we should say to... Those listeners who haven't seen it, this, I think they call them truths, it's sort of a Twitter knockoff, yes. truth social, which seems to be failing. But uh, the truth, what a surprise, that Donald Trump put out said that because the FBI behaved badly in 2020 with the Hunter Biden laptop story, and in my view, it absolutely did. I think this story is yep. scandalous. I think the FBI needs reforming. I think it is almost rogue as an agency. I agree with Andy McCarthy. We're not going to abolish it. And I have some sympathy for that. I'm fairly radical on that. But if we're not going to abolish it, we need to take away some of its international mission. It's not supposed to have one. Anyway, you will hear no arguments from me on that. But Trump, in response to learning this, said if the FBI hadn't done this, I would have won the election, which is also inchoate because he says he did. And as a result, we need either to install me as president immediately or to deem the 2020 election corrupt and beyond repair and therefore hold another one. (laughs) Now, that is not how America works. It's never worked like that. What he is asking for is to overthrow the victory of the person who won the election, Joe Biden, and to illegally remove him from office. And he's telling us ahead of time. (laughs) That's the other part. He's going to run, most likely, in 2024. And he's telling us this ahead of time. And I understand that there are people who are going to want to ignore this and say, well, it's a sideshow. He's not president. doesn't matter. Look what Biden just did with student loans. Look, I have hardly been quiet about that. But it's irrelevant. Biden could have committed an impeachable offense that has led every single member of Congress right now to file articles of impeachment and get ready to convict. And it would make no difference to the fact that Donald Trump is still, 18 months later, insisting that he won an election he lost and trying to crowbar his way back into power. And that matters because he's not some random guy. He's not some guy who rants at the local bar after he's had a few too many. This guy is the front runner for the Republican nomination in 2024 and, given Joe Biden's approval ratings, probably the favourite.
0: Yep. Yeah, I think until Republicans figure out how to deal with this and how to um, get right and make amends for their own complicity in this, I just don't think I can support a Republican candidate for anything.
1: Well, I am going to. Yeah, I know you are. Not Trump. And not anyone who I says, mean, I'm going to break the law, or I want to break the law, or the system should accommodate my foibles.
0: Or certainly anyone that isn't absolutely forthright about this issue, which basically means all Republicans because they're cowards.
1: Well, yes and no. I mean, I think this, this relates uh, to.
0: Oh, yeah. What? Liz Cheney, who's not going to be there anymore. Ben Sass. All right. Well, look, Party to
1: you. I like Ben Sass. <laughs> Party one and, now. And I, I wrote a, a piece on the week he spent during the impeachment hearings, which went up on the day Trump was acquitted. But as I said to Rich, I think that uh, on the editor's podcast, I think that the, you know, the, the, the salience of a particular candidate's views on this or willingness to actively speak out about it uh, depends on what they do. And if they're a presidential candidate, sure. If they're in the Senate, sure. If they're running for governor of Wyoming... And I don't I don't feel a great need to hound those people
0: to talk about it. Mm, I do. States are in charge of their electoral systems. Right. I'm not saying... This idiot that in Pennsylvania is about to be in a position to do some real constitutional damage to the country. Yeah, with some help from his opponent. Uh, I, I'm not... Yeah. I
1: mean, if the other problem I have with this, and this is where it gets difficult, because some damage to the country, right? Well... What if you have, uh, say, a Senate candidate that is acquiescing with Biden's impeachable offense, won't do anything about it, won't assert his privileges and prerogatives as a member of Congress? I mean, I can understand saying I'm not going to vote, but this is no longer... uh, uh, an easy question.
0: Yeah, Charlie, but the I, primary I agree is... about the student loan stuff, but I don't think it's anything near as serious as the attempt to, again, overthrow the government. Let's call it what it is.
1: Well, I mean, yes. <laughs> but I don't think we're talking about um, student loans for overthrowing the government. I think we're talking about, or at least I, unless I'm wrong, you're talking about people who don't say... Donald Trump should have overthrown the government, or Donald Trump should be reinstated halfway through Joe Biden's term, or we should have another election, but just won't say Joe Biden won. I don't know about
0: that, Charlie. Do you talk to a lot of Republicans? No, I'm asking because you, what, this is what, what these saying. people are saying. Yeah, well, I mean, both, obviously, but um, but I, I, I'm asking you how many yeah, candidates it, you're I likely that- to be
1: in a position to vote for who who, who are. Well, you know, I don't in position to vote for any of them, but... Um,
0: well, you are. You are. What does Greg anybody, Abbott think? Uh, I wouldn't vote for Greg Abbott. Because? Greg Abbott is absolutely irresponsible on the election stuff. And uh, just knuckles under like uh, everyone else does. So I think from, you know, state house up, I mean, maybe if you're running for the school board in Sheboygan, fine. Uh, I'm not going to bother you about it too much. But anyone whose job touches on the actual electoral system, which includes state legislators, um, needs to be clear and forthright on this issue. And no, you know, pussyfooting around, no playing footsie with, uh, oh, well, you know, Pennsylvania, the Supreme Court made a bad decision there, so maybe the election isn't really legitimate, even though know, I'm not saying we should have, you know, done what they did. Nah. Um, I want uh, forthrightness and truth and realism on this, or Sorry, just don't want anything to do with you.
1: And and why do you not judge people who, for example, said six months ago, we know that Joe Biden is not allowed to usurp Article One, uh, but uh, now say, oh, it's fine, he should do it. We've we've magically discovered these powers. I, I just, I, I think I agree with you on the scale of it. In that, of course, if you overthrow the government, that's worse than violating the law. But there's no difference in type, is there?
0: i don't know i think this is maybe one of those cases where the degree of severity creates essentially a new category well that's so take something like roe v wade which was an absolutely illegitimate abuse in of of supreme court power that didn't make the american government illegitimate it didn't make the state illegitimate um throwing out an election and reinstalling donald trump as president would have And people who support that, people who condone it, people who do anything less than call it what it is, Um, I just don't think I can in good conscience support someone like that.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I just suppose that I think the place to fight this is in the primaries.
0: I think that the... You know, we... Yeah, but you know what that... I mean, uh, this is going to annoy me. Not you personally. But um, so because we see the same crap every year and i've been having this debate about blake masters with um, some of our colleagues um it's the same bs from the same rubes and carnies every time around where they nominate some ridiculous bobert marjorie taylor green whatever in the primary who's a lunatic who doesn't belong in office um who often is maybe not the brightest person in the room and then in the prior, in the, in the general election, well, you know, the Democrats are worse. So you got to do what you do and support this. You know, we can't tell the truth about these people and who they are and what they are and what they believe and how they comport themselves because of this argument that the Democrats are so bad. You know, that's an eternal sort of moral get out of jail free card for people who are actively working to advance these very same lunatics in this sort of lunatic politics. Yeah, but— but You know, these people don't come out of nowhere, Charles. I understand It's not, that. An, and, it's and not that. an accident that these people have been, you know, nominated. This is part of a process for their own reasons in a particular programmatic sort of way. No, I understand And if that. we have to set that aside every time there's a general election, because, well, you know, it'll be Chuck Schumer's majority leader again— yeah, sorry. Well, I suppose
1: there. this is where we we disagree because I and I, I accept what you've just said is is this two step game that they play. So on the one hand, you know they'll say, right, I want lunatic A for the Republican nomination for Senate candidate in Montana, and then once they've got him, they say, well, maybe you don't like him, but you have to vote for him. I I
0: understand that, and a lot of those people. Let um, me put it this way. Given the state of the Republican Party right now, if every Republican in this country who's on the ballot in November loses his race, I'll sleep fine at night.
1: Well, you see, I won't, because if that's the case, then we will see a whole bunch of systemic changes that I do need to be weighed against having uh, someone stupid in the legislature, like you know, packing the Supreme Court and uh, admitting new states outside of the constitutional procedure and abolishing the filibuster And I just think that matters. And I was going to say, I understand as much as anyone, they did this in 2016. It was, we want Trump, we want Trump, we don't want Rubio, don't want Cruz, we don't want Kasich, we don't want Bush, we want Trump, we want Trump. And then, you know, I say, well, I don't like Trump. And then they say, well, okay, maybe we don't like Trump, but he's our option now. Okay, but you wanted him there. I get all of that. But the thing is with Blake Masters, of whom I'm no fan, is that he may be an empty suit and he may be a, a hack. On this question, but the outcomes on abortion, the lives that you'll save with him in the Senate will be better and more, will they not? Than with Mark Kelly, I mean, doesn't that isn't that brawling
0: politics uglier? I actually am not sure that's true. I think that's as a federal issue, that's pretty much already been done. I'm not well, sure it's going to really matter practically to abortion whether you've got a Democratic Senate or a Republican Senate next time around. I'm not convinced. And I'm not sure your worst case scenario is actually plausible. You know, we got a Democratic president, we got a Democrat run House and Democrat-run Senate, hasn't been any court packing. hasn't been any states added to the Yeah, union. but you
1: just said you'd be happy for every single Republican on the ballot to lose. I mean, then you would have a completely... I mean, you wouldn't have a single one of them. <laughs> they wouldn't need to abolish the filibuster. You could just do whatever you wanted. I mean, they could impeach six Supreme Court justices if they wanted to. As and and it, they could. And, if, and if that's not acceptable, then we're not really... Uh, taking an absolute stand, we're talking about degree, right? How many Republicans do you want? Enough to stop that? I mean, I I do think it matters. I do. And I think that unless someone has done something that that is in and of itself disqualifying, as Trump has, then in a lot of cases, the question before a voter should be not just is, but should be, do I agree with them 55% of the time?
0: Yeah, I think that you can tell yourself a compelling, uh, unfalsifiable counter story that says, if we don't go out and support these cretins, then really bad things will happen.
1: Well, I don't even think it has to be that. that. I don't even think it has to be that. Unless you think that a given candidate has, has disqualified himself from office. Their candidate says, you know, when I'm in office, I'll kill everyone. Or when I'm in office, I'll break the law. Or... When I'm in office, I'll steal from the Treasury or whatever. And Donald Trump is doing this right now. Unless you've done that, then I think the question is not, is the world going to collapse? Is this the last moment to save the USA? Are we on flight 93? I think the question is, which candidate do you agree with more? And it's totally fine if the answer is the other guy. But I mean, if you look at Blake Masters, who I don't like, but if you look at Blake Masters, I would vote for Blake Masters because he agrees with me on much more stuff than Mark Kelly does.
0: And well, I don't presumably, think Marjorie Taylor so. Greene agrees with you on a lot more stuff than Mark Kelly does, too. Yeah. And you'd vote for her? I
1: mean, I don't know.
0: I, you I, vote I, for Lauren Boebert, Louis Gohmert. They all agree with you on more stuff than Mark Kelly does.
1: Yeah, and, unless you think those Donald Trump have... agrees with you on more stuff ah, than Mark but Kelly that's does. that's the point. As I said, there is always that caveat, which is, has this person done something that disqualifies them from public office? And, you know, with, with someone like Marjorie Taylor Greene, maybe the answer is yes, but it's certainly not with Blake Masters. <clears throat> you know, being a, a vote-chasing cipher on the question of abortion is bad. Being a, a Mark Kelly-style fake moderate who was getting ready to vote, in fact, I think voted for a bill that would have enshrined a federal right, which is unconstitutional under the Commerce Clause, to abortion <clears throat> up to nine months is worse. Sure. It's a plausible argument. That's the way I see it. I just, but I think in the in the primary, you know, Trump... It matters. I mean, it's just so ridiculous to say, why are you so obsessed with him? <laughs> I'm <laughs> obsessed with him. I did notice that he just said that he should be reinstated in the middle of Joe Biden's term, <laughs> though. <laughs>
0: House and Senate and state legislative races who think he should be the next President of the United States who think he should be reinstated? We vote for them? We support them? No. I
1: think if, if they're someone... they're better than the opposition? No. I think if someone says, I intend to break the law or facilitate the breaking of the law...
0: No, 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 th- no, 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 no. no, no. That is, this is I uh, this is what I think should happen. I think he should be reinstated.
1: But that's breaking the law. That's facilitating breaking the law. I think he should be reelected elected in, in, in 2024. Well... I think that has to be, that one has to be weighed with other stuff. Where do you, what do they do? What are the questions in front of you? How much say do they have in that? But again, this is where I think this sometimes gets a bit one sided is, you know, if you say, well, I think he should be reinstated, I'm not going to vote for you. But that's also true of someone who says, I think that, I mean, I think Roe v. Wade is a good example of this. It's not obvious to me that the Roe v. Wade was less destructive than a lot of this
0: stuff. Hmm. Trying to think of a, a metaphor here. You know, I'm Catholic and there's been uh, terrible clerical sexual abuse in my church. There's also been similar sorts of incidents in the Southern Baptist church and various Jewish congregations. Um, all sorts of religious bodies have had this sort of thing, but I care about the ones in my church more than the others. Because it's it's mine. And I care about the lunacy of the right right now. I think for similar reasons, because it's in my house. You know, it's something that I am in whatever way a part of. Yeah, and but that's a good I argument. Think the time, I think the time has just really come where I'm just, you know, having to say to myself that I'm just I'm not gonna lift a finger to help one of these people until they get their acts together and repent.
1: Right, but it's not your house in that it is a, or at least it's not just your house. I mean, that's, that's a fair argument in terms of writing, but it's not my house if the federal government uses its power to do things to me, or if the federal government neuters the judiciary and causes a constitutional crisis. Or if the federal government says, irrespective of the law and all precedent and any public opinion, we're going to preempt abortion law in all 50 states. Right? That is, that's not just my house. It, it, it's, it's different because we're talking here about universally applicable law. So I guess we disagree on Blake Masters is the takeaway from it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I think we not, not going to that Trump.
0: on this particular issue. Yeah, I guess where we disagree is on how many degrees of contagion away from Trump you think the quarantine should extend.
1: Well, and I just wrote I a magazine piece about this. I just don't think you can have a policy of debathification. And I think if you really care about getting Trump out of the poll position within the Republican Party, and if you really care about – making sure or trying as hard as you can to make sure that he's not the nominee in 2024, then you have to accept that there's not going to be a big cathartic moment that it's not going to happen because people walk away. In fact, if people really do throw up their hands or wait for an execution of sorts, whether it's from the justice department or you know, some big media story or what you will, then they're probably going to encourage a backlash. Now, I don't like that. I I don't think that's a good thing. I would much prefer it if our politics were clean. But they're not. And, you know, really, the moment that America got over Watergate, funnily enough, was when when Gerald Ford pardoned Richard Nixon. And, you know, I just don't see parties coming out of these eras with charges of the light brigade i i think this happens bit by bit i think it happens cut by cut and that means you have to do the bit by bit and you have to make the cut by cut but you know i just i just this is what i've learned from seven years of not liking trump is that there's just (laughs) not going to be this big moment this this showy lightning strike it it's and i also think that you know and i know obviously you're one person so you can't Effect this. But you know, if people did say I'm angry with the Republicans, so I'm just gonna let them lose, you, the people you would end up with would be the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Lauren Bovitts and and so on.
0: Uh, well we've already got them.
1: Yeah, but they but they're tempered by others. And are they? Yeah.
0: Mm. Not so as you'd notice very much.
1: I don't think that's true. I think we know about them because they're outlandish in the way that we know about Elian Omar and the squad because they're
0: outlandish. Uh, all right. Well, you're the stunning optimist in this one. Anything else we want to talk about today? Hmm. Uh, you want to impeach Biden, by the way, on the student loan thing you were saying. Yeah, I do. I, I think at some make point. Make the case real briefly.
1: Well, I think at some point we're going to have to impeach presidents when they knowingly violate the law. I think he has... That would be a good thing.
0: uh,
1: We should have impeached Trump last year in January. Uh, We should have impeached Trump when he stole $6.5 billion of wall funding. We should have impeached Barack Obama over DACA. Biden is sitting looking back on that and thinking there are no consequences. And that's rational from his perspective. It's not moral. He's the president. He took an oath. But it is rational. Barack Obama, while Joe Biden was vice president, ran around the country and said 22 times that he couldn't unilaterally suspend the deportations of people his audience liked. He said he's not a king. He said he's not an emperor. He said he's not a dictator. He said Congress had passed clear laws. He said that any changes of that sort had to go through Congress. He was unequivocal about it. He even at one... And correct for once correct and and he even at one point and this is just so revolting praised his questioner at a university and said look you seem to be an intelligent young woman and uh, I admire that you're learning civics and let me tell you that within our system of government this isn't something that I can do and then he did it i think that's an impeachable yep. offense joe biden has done the same thing here we all know this is a lie we know that Joe Biden doesn't believe he has the power. We know that Joe Biden's party doesn't believe he has the power. We know that the lawyers who wrote that OLC memo don't believe that he has the power. It's a joke. It's a farce. I can't get beyond the gate on it. And he should be impeached for it. He did the same thing with the eviction moratorium. He knew it was illegal. He said it was illegal. He'd read the Supreme Court opinion saying Congress needed to do it. And he did it anyway. And you can always find people to defend this. And I spent six, months criticizing trump (laughs) when he stole wall funding six weeks at the beginning i was particularly active but i kept on it and i criticized him for it whenever i could because i thought it was really important and people said oh well the case you squint you look at this emergency that the the fact is trump repeatedly went to congress and asked for this money he fundraised off not being able to get the money. He complained publicly about not being able to get the money. He stormed out of a meeting with Nancy Pelosi. I want the money. I want the money. I want the money. I need the money. It's important. And then when it became clear that Congress wasn't going to give it to him, suddenly, magically, his team of lawyers scoured all the statute books in the land and they found a provision that described exactly what he wanted to do and allowed him to do it without Congress. No one believes that, Kevin. (laughs) I know that they pretend to. I know they feel obligated to. But no one believes that Trump really thought that he had the power. And no one believes that Joe Biden believes he has the power. And no one believed that Barack Obama believed he had the power. And I just think that at some point, it's not going to happen now, obviously, but at some point, we're going to have to impeach a president. (laughs) Just say no. Change the incentive structure.
0: Mm -hmm. but all the arguments you just made in favor of uh cutting republicans some slack will be trotted out in that instance and they'll say if you do this you'll weaken the president ensure the election of a democrat and then we'll get terrible terrible outcomes
1: i understand that and and it's a it's a problem and a real problem i mean that that argument is not without weight You know, you, you, you do have to think about the consequences of what you're doing. I'm just arguing here that the consequences of letting presidents ride roughshod over the Constitution over and over again are getting pretty dramatic. I mean, I know you don't think this is as bad as what happened with Trump, and I, I, I do agree, but I don't think we should conclude that it doesn't matter. I mean, Trump stole $6.5 billion. I never said that it doesn't matter. I know, I know, you, I know you didn't. But $6.5 billion is a lot of money. Biden's stolen a trillion. That, that's more than Obamacare. You know, we we had debates for a year and a half. It's more than what? It's more than Obamacare cost. Oh, more than Obamacare. I didn't understand what you said there. They were... It like you said more than a bar tab. Right, it's not <laughs> more than my bar tab. We had a year and a half's Damn. worth of, of debates, roiling debates, about this congressional proposal, Obamacare. And they were desperate to get it under a trillion dollars because, my goodness, who could spend a trillion dollars and one flick of a pen? Trillion dollars. Just extraordinary.
0: Extraordinary. All right. I think that's going to do it for this week. I don't think we're going to advance the conversation much from here. Um, I will talk to you next week. Enjoy your fancy recordings. (laughs) And try not to get your house burned down by lightning. (laughs) All right.